This podcast may contain explicit language. This is the Dynasty Download Podcast. Welcome back to the Dynasty Download. I'm Tom Duncan. 2018 champ, Ethan Hamilton. And we're coming at you live on the Saturday before NFL Week 4, which as of right now is still ongoing for a few teams. Uh, We have been in an unusual situation since we recorded the other night. Uh, The Steelers-Titans game that was originally scheduled has been officially moved uh, to Week 7. The Steelers-Ravens game moved to week eight, and the two teams will treat this week as a bye week. So if you have any Steelers or Titans players going this weekend, unfortunately that does mean that you have uh, a few people on bye. I'll have to pay attention to that since uh, I have at least one, if not two, teams under my stead as the commissioner now running a uh, fifth of the league. I think... There's going to have to be some things done with that, but um, we'll get to that at a different moment in time. Uh, As for the rest of the NFL news and COVID-related, the first big star to get COVID uh, came down today. Cam Newton has it officially, but apparently both uh, players from the Chiefs and uh, Patriots for this weekend have tested positive. They are trying to evaluate the situation. They had They will not be playing tomorrow on Sunday. They will be possibly playing, depending on the health and uh, the severity of things. They will be retesting tomorrow. They may have the opportunity to play Monday or Tuesday, but if anybody else tests positive, uh, the game will likely be postponed through the weekend. So you might have to monitor that one for fantasy lineups as well. So if you drafted Travis Kelsey as your only tight end, Patrick Mahomes is your only quarterback, you might be in some uh, trouble going forward. Are you speaking from experience there or? Yeah, just a little bit, a little bit. So uh, given the rash of injuries and all of the other things surrounding uh, the NFL at the moment, uh, I guess what is your level on the panic meter as far as the NFL season continuing and moving forward? I'm a, I'm a little worried. I mean, with the NFL and then with everybody else on the planet getting COVID too. I mean, you see green Bay is one of the hot spots in the entire country. So I'm a little worried. It's we're going to see the type of leadership from the top down uh, that the NFL has. So, well, the fact that one of the odder stories that's been going on is the size of the fines levied against coaches for masks. And given that nobody had tested positive so far, the relative health of the MLB moving forward into their playoff season, I started to think that they were maybe being a little too strict. Now, for what it's worth, I'm pretty liberal by comparison to the average person, but even when I I thought it was a little bit overdone uh, as to wearing masks, I certainly don't feel that they were being a little too strict before or uh, after today, essentially. And you have to really question... We thought this day might come. You and I had previewed it. I think we talked about it four or five times. But now that it's here, I don't know. I think they're going to get much more restrictive with the players. But given the relative size of teams, coaching staffs, 
medical personnel that are available for these games and that uh, some of these teams are starting to welcome fans in, boy, that's that's getting scary. Yeah, you got to think that they got to they got to rein it in. Um, Honestly, if I'm the league, maybe you suspend it for two weeks. Take two weeks off. You know, teams can practice, stay in team facilities and everything like that. Obviously, keep testing daily. Um, But the whole fans thing, that's got to stop. It has to. I still think it's a mistake of them. I know they can delay the Super Bowl. They can delay the playoffs and they can kind of move stuff back because they've set alternate dates in in the recent past uh, for making sure the Super Bowl was played in a timely fashion. But they could move it back if they needed to um, just for hotels and reservations and the rest of that. So that is available. But I'm a little surprised that after this went down and they released the schedule after we went into quarantine, that they hadn't built in a little bit more leniency on the back end of the the schedule or built in a second bye week, given all of the things that we know. Yeah, I kind of just think that the NFL just thought they were just going to power through it because they're the NFL. You know, they're the biggest, baddest sports league on the planet, and they thought they were just – they were – just going to be fine. And we're obviously finding out that that's not true. Well, it, as a fantasy player, I'll, I'll address it as a fantasy perspective right now, going forward, Cam Newton being out. It, I don't care if it's Cam or it's anybody else. And we wish him well and, you know, all the health and, and whatnot and all of these players, frankly. But if you were relying on him to be your primary quarterback, I don't know whether he'll be healthy enough. He has it now. You're assuming that the symptoms usually are worst from about day five to day 10. And then you're still through quarantine into the second week. He might not be available next weekend, even if they don't play uh, this next game. So if they get to a situation where, um, like for the Steelers-Titans situation, they didn't have any of their stars Um, necessarily that tested positive so they could get away with it and from a fantasy perspective it really hasn't harmed us as players quite yet so moving through that game really wasn't going to be too tough other than that they shifted the bye week on us so it was more a nuisance than anything else but given that it was one game it wasn't a big deal now that you actually have a star that's starting in a lot of rosters this is a big deal and I think that this might be just the first of many So on that dour note, let's do what we can to preview as best as we can week four of the NFL. Um, I know that uh, most of you are worried about the rest of the games moving forward. I don't think you have to worry right now about tomorrow's games because the NFL currently has, after the Matthew Stafford um, incident, uh, a policy of not testing on game days, which I think is a bit of a mistake. But they are going to um, test on Monday. So all of those that were clear as of this morning will go ahead. So all of your Sunday games that don't have an issue, uh, uh, basically other than the Patriots, um, uh, Chiefs, and uh, the previously mentioned Steelers-Titans game, uh, will be going forward as planned. The one I would be concerned about is possibly Monday's Packers-Falcons game if somebody gets it on on the team for tomorrow morning uh, when they're supposed to do all of their rounds of testing. But as for this week, I'm not as concerned with the rest of those games moving forward. It's more or less in the weeks to come 
um, next week and maybe the the next few weeks because we might get a uh, I'm not an epidemiologist, but this might be the quote unquote second wave in the fall that we've been um, kind of waiting for. All right, so let's move into the game slate. Again, if you would like to contact the show, you have any questions for us, uh, please email us at dynastydownload10 at gmail.com. We'd be glad to answer any uh, listener questions on the air. But the first game I had up was the Broncos-Jets, and I guess we'll just review Thursday night's game. There, It was kind of a fun game to watch. There were some fantasy implications. Um Noah Fant goes down in that game, gets carted off with an ankle injury. Um, there were guys going off the field left and right with injuries in that game. Jamison Crowder uh, had another big game in his comeback. Uh, and Melvin Gordon breaks off a late touchdown to really cement a fairly solid fantasy day. But other than that, I wouldn't say that there's a whole lot of fantasy relevancy out of this game. Sam Darnold having a weird... 40-plus yard touchdown scrambling is not going to happen again. If that were Lamar Jackson, you'd say, yeah, sure, okay, I can buy that. But I I don't think there are too many other takeaways from this game. No, um, but what I do want to add, we were supposed to obviously um, shoot this, or not shoot this, but do this before um, the game, obviously, on Thursday, technical difficulties and whatnot, but... You did pose the question um, if anyone cared about this game, and I was like, yeah, I care. You know, Melvin Gordon playing against the Jets. They give up the fifth most points to running backs, and he had himself a day. I would say that's probably one of the better days Melvin Gordon has had in a couple of years. Uh, Agreed. Again, his overall efficiency rating, because his yard per carry was still down. Yeah, Yeah, he got a goal line carry, got into the end zone, uh, so that does help. Additionally, he broke off that touchdown late in the game, which is really what um, ended up giving him an additional 10 points or uh, something to that effect, Uh, maybe even more than that, depending on whether your league has certain bonuses. He had an okay day up until that point because I think he broke the 50 or the 100-yard mark uh, and the um, yardage mark, but he's at least serviceable, but I don't think he's anything more than a flex play. So I know he had a big day, but this is kind of a one-off. So if somebody offers you a trade, like that, that's one I I'd be selling high on if I could. I, um, I did sell high on Melvin Gordon. When I took over the, my, the team, my team, he was on my squad. I traded him to Derek. I think he's on Derek's team. Yes, Um, he is. Yeah. So I, well, I, even back then, I thought he was very touchdown dependent, um, which he still has been throughout his entire career. He's a good serviceable back and somebody that you obviously think about putting in your lineup every week. But like I said, it's one of the better games that he's had in a while. Yeah, I remember that draft. You weren't in the league yet, but Melvin Gordon went number one and I took Todd Gurley at number two. Really? I, yep. Wow. Okay. And the, and then I turned around and traded Gurley after the first year uh, for uh, as part of the Le'Veon Bell deal. Interesting. Yeah, that one was a, an interesting trade. I got Le'Veon Bell and Amari Cooper for uh, Emmanuel Sanders, Thomas Rawls, and Todd Gurley. Oh, that's not bad. 
No, it's there have been times that at the time the deal was done, everybody criticized that it was an unfair trade, which is why I get full league approval before I make any trade. Uh, but uh, the trade has gone back and forth multiple times as to who won the deal. So I think that's ultimately the sign that it was a good deal. So I agree. Yep, 100%. All right, Colts at Bears. Uh, does Foles lift the Bears offense again versus a very tough Colts defense? I don't think you can get – well, you can get worse than Mitchell Trubisky, but I don't think you can find a worse starting quarterback than Mitchell Trubisky. It can only Kirk go up. Cousins? Um, it, it can only go up. Like, as an Allen Robinson owner, this is the best news that I have heard all year long. I wonder whether they're going to shadow Xavier Rhodes, who looks re-energized uh, in that Colts defense, on uh, Allen Robinson. And given the fact that Foles was distributing the ball a lot last week, uh, he targeted Anthony Miller. He got the ball to Jimmy Graham. Um, Jimmy Graham had a big game. Uh, I would I would not be surprised if Allen Robinson has a, let's say, lower than last week, but um, if efficient day like he'll be productive because he has been productive but I don't think he has the same week he did last week I can agree with that 110 percent um he's still really like an up and down um type of a player but for somebody that has never had a good quarterback in his entire career um Allen Robinson is a pretty good fantasy play yeah, going from uh, Blake Bortles to Mitchell Trubisky is not a particularly great uh, asset. Jaguars at Bengals. More fantasy points, Gardner Minshew or Joe Burrow? As a Joe Burrow owner, um, even if I wasn't, I would say Joe Burrow. And why I say that is because Joe Burrow is obviously, he's a top 10 quarterback right now in fantasy points. I know you'd love to hear that. Um, and since he gives up the six fewest points to quarterbacks right now, Jacksonville, on the other hand, they give up the eighth most points to quarterbacks. I'm playing Joe Burrow all day long. As far as my opinion goes, I think they both could have it. I think this is a back and forth. They're 50-50. Both have played particularly well. And I know that the numbers say that the, the Jags and the uh, Bengals have not given up a ton of points through the air. Uh I just don't believe in either of these teams right now because I think that's a misnomer stat. Teams are running the football on these teams because they're up usually, or the teams that they've played have not been particularly uh, pass-heavy so far. The one exception, I'll look at the fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick last week lit up Jacksonville. So I'm not buying necessarily that either of these guys is going to have a bad day. I think this is a sneaky... Um, high points game, and both quarterbacks could overperform their um, projection. Yeah, I mean, Cincinnati hasn't really played, I mean, either of these teams really haven't played like a stout quarterback. Like, for example, Jacksonville, they've only played Phillip Rivers, Ryan Tannehill, and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, on the flip side, I think the best quarterback that the Jaguars played was uh I mean, the Bengals have played was Baker Mayfield. So, I mean, numbers say a lot to a point, and I know I'm kind of talking down what I was saying earlier, but I still, even with those numbers, I'm still going Joe Burrow. I just think he, when I watch him, 
when I watch him control his offense, control the huddle, and just his cool, he, he just seems like a quarterback that just gets it. That he's somebody that I want to go into battle and somebody that's going to figure it out. And for me too, it took a little bit for me to see that in Joe Burrow because, like, I've talked about it before. I wasn't super high on him. I just took him out of necessity and my team. With Minshew, I just think he's a placeholder. I don't think he's their long-term option in Jacksonville. So I'm going to go the better player. And the better player is by far Joe Burrow. I'm just going to go with a coin toss on this one as far as in this particular game. I honestly could go either way, and I wouldn't be confident betting one way or the other. Browns at Cowboys. More yards this weekend. Nick Chubb or Ezekiel Elliott? Um, I feel like you're just asking me a bunch of, are you going to pick against your own fantasy guy? And the the answer to that is no, I'm not. It's going to be Zeke Elliott. Um, But it's a really good question because both of these defenses have been very, very good against the run. Cleveland has allowed the eighth fewest points, um, Dallas the ninth fewest. um, But the better player Zeke Elliott. And that's what it comes down to for me, um, the better player. But then on the flip side, I know, again, I'm talking against my point. On the flip side, Mark Mike McCarthy has not been utilizing the running back position just like he did in Green Bay. And it's super freaking frustrating. He has never had a running back at the, ca- the capability of Zeke Elliott. And I feel like he needs to get him more involved in the passing game as well as more runs. Cleveland is doing just that with Nick Chubb. They're giving him the ball. They're giving him the ball around the goal line. He's not as involved in the passing game because Kareem Hunt is there, but he gets yards and they feed him the ball. So I'm still going Zeke just because he's better, but I would not be surprised if Nick Chubb took it. Nick Chubb, as far as rushing yards, has been the better of the two backs this year. He also is going to likely get more touches in this game. It's what you end up doing with those and what the game script is going to be. If this turns into a shootout, and right now uh, Kareem Hunt is questionable for this game with a little bit of a knee tweak, so we'll see what his availability is for tomorrow's game. But it's a situation where Zeke has not been utilized a lot. Nick Chubb has been utilized more. And for where these guys went in drafts, I think I'd be more inclined to say Chubb right now because of what we've seen so far this year. I can stand by that 110%. Saints at Lions. Are you confident in Michael Thomas or Kenny Galladay coming off of their injuries? Michael Thomas isn't playing, right? I think it's up in the air. If he were to play, I I haven't seen this for certain. I suppose I could look, but I thought he, if there was a week for him to start coming back, it would likely be around this time. So, um, but either way, he is, Kenny Gallagher. He is listed out for this weekend, so unfortunately he won't be able to play. Uh, when I made the question, it was not holding right. that in, it was in the same in the week. It was, I mean, Kenny Galladay, he's going up against the Saints defense that got destroyed by the Packers without a number one wide receiver. Um Again, Aaron Rodgers and Matt Stafford are two completely different players, but Matt Stafford is not a bad quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. So I would not be surprised to see um, Kenny Galladay have a big day on his day back from or on his return from an injury. I guess I don't really 
I don't really have any additional Lion, uh, Lions Saints ones. This is a defining game, I think, for both teams going into this one. Um, the Lions are at home. The Saints are coming off of that kind of embarrassing loss. I expect the, the Saints to be more pissed off, if if I could put it that way. The Lions are coming off of their first win and a big win on the road at Arizona at the gun. So I would actually, I know there have been people calling for the Lions to win this game. I think that the Saints might come out and actually blow them out, but I'm not going to call for that because when you try and call for that, that's when you look stupid. I just think that this is a, a game where um, the Saints have been hearing it all week how bad they are, and they're going to try and really uh, mess somebody up. So Seahawks at Dolphins, uh, over under three and a half touchdowns for Russell Wilson this weekend. I am taking the over. I would even take the over if that was four and a half, I think. That's that's bold. I know that Man. it shouldn't be given where he's been this year and that they're playing a Dolphins team right now, but they are not running the ball on the goal line. You know, they, they are really throwing it. And given their history and how they lost a certain Super Bowl, you would think that they would be more inclined to run near the goal line, but they are not. I mean, Miami gives up the fourth most points to quarterbacks. The fourth. And they played Cam Newton, Josh Allen. Those are two studs. And then Minshew, which he only had he only had 12. But, man, Russ, he's in that category with Cam and Josh Allen. I feel like Russ is going to put up like 30-some, 40-some fantasy points this weekend. Basically every Seahawks game, and we said it the other day, that right now Russell Wilson would be the MVP simply on the basis that he has to be that good for that team to win. It has so many holes in every other area uh, other than maybe wide receiver. They just uh, – I don't uh, – their defense right now is not playing well. Uh, they let everybody go up and down the field. They're not creating turnovers. They're not creating pressure. Uh, they are not running the football all that well. They're really reliant on the fact that they have two really good receivers to pair with their superhuman quarterback. And if I had to call it because Russ has had to throw four touchdowns a week, I would say that it's probably likely and I will too take the over. But the fact that we're even saying that with confidence is a statement on how good he's played so far this year. Uh, Chargers at Buccaneers. I asked this question, and I know that some people are high on this this game. I'm going to ask this question with all seriousness. Will either of these teams score 20 points? I read this question that you posed to me, and I kind of looked at it, and I was like, wait, what? We're talking about the NFL, like the offensive NFL. Like they make yep. it as easy as possible for the for the offense to score. That's what sells, right? But then yep. you look at these two teams, and they have not been impressive. I mean, if there was a movie that was going to come out, and that was the Buccaneers, like it would have been the biggest movie like that we're talking about forever, right? Like it would be as good as the anticipated like Avatar or something. Then it came out, and it was shit. Like, awful shit. That's what the Buccaneers have literally been this year. Um, they haven't been impressive. Tom Brady hasn't been impressive. And the Chargers, you know, they have a rookie quarterback who has been pretty decent. 
um, considering. Uh, I don't know, man. I would not be surprised if neither team scored 20 points. I really wouldn't. The Chargers won 16 to 13 in week one against the Bengals, and that was a muck it up game. They came home, and that was the game that Justin Herbert started after the weird injury to Tyred Taylor. Um, you know, hopefully he's getting Still better. crazy. But that was that was one where they were up and they had the 20 point mark, but then didn't score for most of the fourth quarter and uh, in overtime. So that that was a situation that was different. So they've scored 20 points in that one. And then last week they didn't even get to 21 points against Carolina. On the flip side, the Buccaneers, you can't run on that front four or on that front seven right now. I think this is a game where Josh Kelly and um, Austin Eckler have uh, particularly bad rushing days. I would say that if Eckler has any points, it's going to be through the passing game this this weekend. But this is one um, I think the Chargers defense will sneak up on you. I think Tampa's defense sneaks up on you. And this could be a competition of kickers because uh, Tampa's offense left a lot of points on the field last weekend. And even with that, and they were playing Denver, uh, the Jets scored more against Denver's uh, defense on Thursday night than the uh, uh, Buccaneers scored when they were in Denver against a much more depleted uh, Denver defense on Sunday. So I, I very much question how good the Buccaneers offense is right now with Tom Brady leading it. I think this is one where, yes, one team will score 20, and that's going to be the team that wins. Ravens at Washington. Uh, does Lamar get back on track this weekend after his lowest fantasy point total on Monday night? Let me ask you a question before I answer this question. Are you surprised? Sure. Are you surprised by Lamar Jackson this year? Yes and no. Uh, this reminds me a lot. So Mahomes had his huge season two years ago and he came in and he was kind of middling to begin last year. Then he had that injury and he was out a couple of weeks and he came back and then he was like really hot down the stretch. And now they're playing with such supreme confidence that uh, I wonder if the Ravens are going through the sophomore slump type of situation where he's been in the league a bit and teams know how to scheme him a little bit better. So they're going to have to make an adjustment to make him there. But I would say back half of the, the year, that I would expect him to be fan like top five fantasy level again, where he's really running and throwing and like that offense gets uh, up to the level it's probably capable of. But Monday night was such a weird game for them to begin with. Uh, he has not looked good in games where they got behind and they've had the benefit of playing with the lead a lot. So I'd be curious if they got behind to another team that wasn't, uh, Kansas City that could score with lightning quick, quickness, uh, what might happen. But I'm not too worried yet, especially because this is a long-term relationship um, podcast with these guys playing Dynasty, that if I had Lamar Jackson, I'm not uh, too concerned yet. I know some people are already giving him the system quarterback label. I'm not there. You know, for me, and you brought up a lot of points that I – agree with 110% scheming has a lot to do with it. And I know it's a little odd topic, but it's one of the reasons why I passed on JK Dobbins and took Jonathan Taylor, 
because I feel like the Baltimore Ravens offense is kind of like a gadget offense, you know, like in college, kind of like how the Wildcat was. You know what I mean? Like, it's really, really great for the first couple of years. But then defenses start to catch up. Teams in your division start drafting um, certain players to be able to eliminate certain things that you do. And let's be honest, Lamar Jackson is not considered a pocket passer quarterback, one that's going to sit there and pick you apart. Like if you sit in a zone all game long, he's not going to be able to find the open windows and just pick you apart like uh, Drew Brees or Aaron Rodgers or a Pat Mahomes or all those other quarterbacks can. What makes Lamar Jackson exciting and good is just that, his excitement, what he can do running the football and everything like that. And then when you try to take away the run, that's when he becomes a decent, he's a decent enough passer to be able to beat you that way. I think that's where the issue with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens offense is right now. They're in that kind of like middle ground where teams are starting to catch up with them a little bit. So now they need to figure out a way to still stay on top or ahead of these defenses to make um, their offense go. So I guess what I'm saying is, is we're going to find out a lot about Lamar Jackson in these next couple of weeks. Is he going to be AKA a system type of quarterback or is he going to be able to figure it out to be able to get back to, and it doesn't necessarily have to be MVP level, but all pro level quarterback play that he was at before. You are absolutely correct that his improvisation is what you pay him for and in order to do, but that means they're going to have to reassess what or how to get him into situations where he can use his improvisational skills. I think he has become a better passer between last season and this season. And even though people criticize him for losing that playoff game against the Titans, it was such a weird game. He threw for over 200 yards. He ran for over 100 yards and he had like four total touchdowns. It really was not on him, but I think the Ravens defense They still have a difficulty with pressure, which is why they blitz a lot, which hurt them on Monday night. Mahomes really lit them up against the blitz. And their biggest problem is is their safeties. And so I'm curious about another team that can really score with them or score on them quickly, whether that would be a situation um, that they're going to have problems with. But I don't know how many teams they're going to be playing this season that that's going to be the case. So if it is, sure, and we'll see about that going forward. But I have to imagine because of the rushing ability, I mean, he still had like, I want to say 15 or 16 points out of our league uh, last week. And if that's your floor, that's really not that terrible. But for, I mean, for the amount of stock that you probably put into him, you need more than that. Cardinals at Panthers, more points this weekend. Kenyon Drake or Mike Davis? Man, you you pose a lot of Kenyon Drake questions. Like, okay, crazy when you're me. coming up with with <laughs> questions for a Panthers Cardinals game, are you really questioning <laughs> Kyler Murray or Deshaun Hopkins or, or DeAndre Hopkins right now? I guess if I'm going to answer your question, I'm going to go Mike Davis. And I mean, we touched on it. I think it was the last episode, right, where we were talking about how. If Kenyon Drake was going to break out, it was going to be last game. That being said, he still has two really nice matchups ahead of him right now, too. Um, but I think we also touched on Mike Davis, too. And what make, keeps him relevant is 
him being involved in the passing game. Um, and with Teddy Bridgewater, I don't feel like he's a quarterback that's going to stretch the field um, as much as a lot of other quarterbacks as well. So I'm going to go Mike Davis. Um, I think just because of his receiving ability, that puts him uh, light years ahead of Kenyon Drake, in my opinion. I, Drake has not been particularly used in the passing game. Mike Davis is averaging eight targets a, a week right now over the last two when he's been in the game. You're definitely taking the pass catching back if you have any PPR value at all. Um, let's, but I really more or less asked this one because had you asked this one four weeks ago, everyone would have looked at you like you were absolutely insane. So it's, it's just more of a benchmark question just to see where we're really at in the season. Vikings at Texans. Can either offense get back to fantasy blue skies? If there's any offense that's going to do it for me, it's going to be the Vikings offense. I, I think we touched on it last episode too. Deshaun. Yeah, we did. We had a nice little opening segment about Deshaun Watson. I don't think Deshaun Watson is a bad quarterback. I just don't think he has any weapons. I don't think Bill O'Brien has done any favors for him at this point in his career. Trading away arguably the top receiver in the league for a young quarterback. Like, that's absolutely crazy to me. Kirk Cousins, um, he's got Thielen. He's got Justin Jefferson, who just had a breakout game. You got Delvin Cook. Um, as much as I'm a Delvin Cook owner and as much as I love that they pound the football, they need to open up that offense a little bit more. Um, so the answer to your question, I'm going to go with the Vikings. I think they can get there eventually. They don't have a choice. They have to. So I'm trying to think of too many other offense or defenses that I'd rather go against that could be a fountain of youth type cure than the Vikings. Like, if Deshaun Watson has a bad week against the Vikings right now after they've been lit up by Ryan Tannehill, uh, Aaron Rodgers, even to a certain extent Phillip Rivers, I think he's—I'll start turning up that panic meter. But I do agree that probably the Vikings offense, you would expect to have more points. With that being said, I think I'm picking the Texans to win this game. So it's just one of those where I believe a little bit more in Houston's defense and total team than I do in Minnesota's right now. And Minnesota, after last weekend, where they had an issue um, at home, I would be very uh, cautious on picking them right now. Uh, Giants at Rams. Is Jared Goff a number one or a quarterback one? That's a, man, I, I took a long time on this question. And I think what I came up with is, yeah, I'd like to have Jared Goff. And it's not necessarily because of Jared Goff. I think it has a lot to do with the weapons that he has around him and the person that's in his helmet calling the plays. Sean McVay, I feel like he's back on his grind again um, as one of the better play callers in the league. And then... They're not huge names, but they're productive names. Robert Woods and Cooper Cup have been very productive wide receivers um, so far in their NFL career, and they've made Jared Goff's life a lot easier. Um, Jared Goff's not a bad quarterback by any stretch of the imagination, um, but I think that's what puts him into the top 10 echelon of quarterbacks right now. With the way he's played, I don't know if he is a quarterback one, but he's really right on the cusp. 
because he doesn't run or have some of those other elite plays, you have to really rely on him in the passing game um, that you don't for several of the other players. Joe Burrow has an element of running. Uh, Gardner Minshew has an element of running. So it's it's hard for Goff to put that up. But so far, that offense has looked like it was two years ago when they were really chugging along. Now, they don't have Todd Gurley to help supplement it, but that's a very scheme heavy offense or a scheme lucky offense, if you will, much in the way the 49ers play that you can just plug in a new guy and it seems to work uh, no matter who the players are. So it's not really evolved on individual talent, even though Robert Woods, Cooper Cup have played above level. Tyler Higby has had great flashes. He had a three touchdown game two weeks ago. And you like what Darrell Henderson did last weekend against the Bills. So I say he's on the verge. I will ask this final question, though, to sort it out. We have somebody in our particular league who has Deshaun Watson and Jared Goff. Which of those two this weekend would you feel more comfortable starting? I'm starting Jared Goff, and it's for the reasons that I said before, uh, the weapons, 110% the weapons. I would normally agree, but I think that the Rams could be up on the Giants so big early in the game that they're going to end up running the football a ton. And given that the Giants defense gives up a lot of yards on the ground, I'd be very cautious about him having a big fantasy day. I'd rather go because of game script and how much he's going to have to throw the ball, be involved in the game plan. I think I would defer to Deshaun Watson on this one because he's playing that Vikings defense and he's going to have to have a huge game in order for them to win. And they need a win. They're 0-3. So there's a bit of desperation in that one. The next game up on our list was Patriots-Chiefs, but unfortunately we're going to have to skip over that one. I was very excited about that being our potential game. That was my game of the week. Uh, I will have to shift my thinking a little bit. I guess Browns-Cowboys is a, is a sneaky game that could uh, be very good. I'm not looking forward to Chargers-Buccaneers or Colts at Bears, but uh, let's skip ahead to the Bills at Raiders. Can Josh Allen do it once again? Oh, um, first and foremost, let me tell you, I had a hard time researching this because I still refer to the Oakland Raiders. See, <laughs> the Las Vegas Raiders as Oakland. So like, I was looking at it. I was like, why can't I find the numbers for the Oakland Raiders? Well, because they least, don't exist anymore. At least you're not trying <laughs> to research the Washington racial slurs yet. <laughs> it was just it was super frustrating. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's the reason why. Um, can Josh Allen do it again, I think, was your question. Yes. Josh Allen has been very, very good so far. And he's going up against a Las Vegas defense that has not been very, very great. So, yes, I think that he can do it again. In the three games that Las Vegas has played, they've given up 30 points twice. Um so, yeah, I think Josh uh, Allen can do it again the way he can run the ball, that threat that he has, uh, the way Stefan Diggs has been playing. Um, I have all the confidence in the world that Josh Allen can do it. Well, that's significantly unfortunate for me because I'm going against him this weekend, but I, too, would probably pick for him. So maybe it's a reverse curse that uh, if I pick with him this week that maybe I'll have a down week. I don't know. Uh, Eagles at 49ers. More points this weekend. George Kittle or Zach Ertz? I am a Zach Ertz owner, as we all know. And mm. I am going to go with George Kittle. 
I'm going to go with George Kittle because he's still the best receiving option that San Francisco has. Uh, Philly gives up the 11th most points to tight ends. San Francisco, on the contrary, they give up the second fewest, but they haven't faced a very good tight end. Um, So I'm going to go George Kittle just because he's the better, he's the better tight end. Like that's everyone knows he's a better tight end. So I'm going to go with him. I would agree with your entire assessment, save for one characteristic. Both George Kittle and Debo Samuel are playing in this game, and they still have Brandon Ayuk. So I think pass catcher wise, uh, while Kittle's probably the best of them, uh, I don't think it's as clear cut as it is with the Eagles who are missing Goddard. Uh, I still think um, Deshaun Jackson, uh, Jalen Rager are both out, and I don't know if Elshon Jeff- Jeffrey's even healthy for this game. So you're relying on Greg Ward Jr. as your second option to Zachers. But your analysis is spot on otherwise as far as I'm concerned. Last game of the week, Monday night, Falcons at Packers. Does Dan Quinn have a job next week? Man, they should be 2-1 and one right now. The Falcons should. So I don't know if Arthur Blank takes that into consideration, um, that they should be 2-1. and one. Or maybe he does take it in consideration, and he's like, we should be 2-1. and one. What the hell happened? Um, he's on the hot seat. I think it's hot. I, you, you're a Falcon organization that just built that big ass stadium. Obviously, you can't have any fans in it right now, but your expectation is to win. Um, so yeah, I think he might be on the hot seat. If he loses, he I wouldn't be surprised if he got fired. The Falcons put up a ton of points. They have no defense. That's been literally their story for since R- Matt Ryan was drafted, and that's going to continue to be the case. For a guy that you hired to help the defense uh, and straighten things out. And so I don't know how much he's adding to that. He survived the hot seat last season uh, somehow. But uh, I don't know how many. So Calvin Ridley is questionable. Russell Gage is questionable. Uh, They have Julio Jones questionable. How many guys are they going to have? On the other side... Uh, Alan Lazard's going to be out probably at least a month. He had a core muscle surgery, so he's going to be possibly out. Devontae Adams did practice late in the week, but he's questionable going into the game. And the Packers don't even have the benefit of one of their other drafted wide receivers. Equiminius St. Brown um, is still listed on the IR list, so he's not even available to come off until after their bye week, which is next week. So as far as that's concerned, I don't know if there's going to be Uh, a ton of guys that are catching passes in this game that you've ever heard of before. If you're not a Packer fan. All right, let's move into the final stretch of our show. Uh, Underrated stud of the week. Who do you got? You, I think you gave two options, right? Uh, I gave two options for our, for myself, but those are two guys that I have my eye on. So I'll, I guess I'll go first. I have James Robinson against Cincinnati. Uh, I see what the Bengal or the excuse me the Browns did two weeks ago against them, and he has been an absolute stud. I envision him. He's still going outside the top ten in uh, points projection, but I think he could squarely be again inside the top five. Darrell Henderson Jr. against that Giants defense. Uh, Malcolm Brown still dealing with that finger injury, and I don't know how much healthier he's going to be. Cam Akers is out for that game. The Giants give up a ton of yards on the ground. This game might be over at halftime, so which means they're going to salt away the clock in the second half. I expect Darrell Henderson Jr. to have a huge game. 
Um, I'm going to go Mike Davis. Yeah, I'm going to go Mike Davis. He's going up against an Arizona Cardinal defense that's been not very good against running backs. Um, Him, like we've talked about earlier, being involved in the passing game, I think uh, that jumps up even more this weekend. So I'm going to go Mike Davis. Uh, He's going to make the most out of his opportunity before Christian McCaffrey comes back. Good call. My game of the week was Patriots at Chiefs. I've already addressed that. Uh, I think there are a couple of other decent matchups. I think uh, Saints at Lions could be a sneaky good game. Brian or Browns at Cowboys are uh, two teams that um, seem to come up short in the end uh, so very often every game. And uh, I think Seahawks Dolphins might be pretty entertaining just because of what Russell Wilson's been doing lately. But I think that uh, um, with the way the Seahawks defense has been and that Ryan Fitzpatrick had a huge game last week, they've had a little bit longer to prepare because they're coming off of a Thursday night from the week before. That could be a sneaky good game. But um, out of those that are available, what's your game of the week? I'm going to go with a game that probably nobody wants to watch, but I think it's going to be super close, and that's going to be Jacksonville and Cincinnati. The line, I think, is Cincy two and a half. Um, you got two quarterbacks, young quarterbacks, um, that are going to be battling it out. And I like watching Joe Burrow play. Yeah. It's not going to be a pretty game. I doubt. And it's not two huge name teams, but I think it's going to be one that's really, really close. As far as upset of the week, I have two potential, um, upsets for you. The Bengals are favored by three at home. I like the Jaguars to win that one straight out. Uh, The Cardinals are also favored three and a half on the road at the Panthers, who are coming off a big win against the Chargers in L.A. last weekend. With how the Cardinals played and the Panthers played, uh, normally I might be inclined to stay away from this one, but I think the Panthers have a little bit more skill, not necessarily on defense, but on offense. This one could turn into a shootout, and I actually like the Panthers to pull this one out at home. You want to know what one I like? I like Detroit taking down New Orleans. Both of these teams okay. are looking. Both of these teams are looking for a win. Obviously, Matt Patricia is coaching for his life, and um, obviously the Saints. A lot of I think I picked them to get to the Super Bowl, right? Yes, you uh, did. Drew Brees. Drew Brees has a lot to prove. He's. I, I saw a stat. He has, um, with his passing average yards down the field, is at I think four point seven. He's not even making it five yards down the field on a passing attempt right now. So he's got a lot to prove. I'm going to go Detroit, New Orleans, and I think Detroit beats New Orleans at home. All right. Quickly, we'll do a league roundup of potential matchups this weekend. The Tom Terrific uh, team goes up against Akron Pros, who are one and two. Uh, Given that uh, there are so many injuries at running back and other places and uh, the unavailability, it seems, of Patrick Mahomes, I don't particularly like Tom Terrific to pull this one out against Akron Pros this weekend, who is fielding uh, Josh Allen, DK Metcalf, Calvin Ridley. Uh, the list goes on. I mean, he did uh, adjust his team. He's going to have to start OJ Howard right now instead of Travis Kelsey, but uh, I don't particularly like that that matchup for Tom Terrific. Cops' Heroes goes up against Shad Dynasty. Um, Cops' Heroes is going to have to probably adjust their lineup, uh, given some of the news over the weekend, um, and, uh, uh, how much it, cause they have Harrison Butker, they're going to have to move around, uh, a couple of teams, uh, Dynasty probably should win that one in a fairly, um, simple fashion, but then again, um, we've seen some weird upsets before, uh, 
Dirty Carl, the 0-3 team, is projected to get heavily destroyed against Rogers Rabbits this weekend. Ed Winters takes on LDH. Uh, both teams had uh, players going in the Thursday night game. Currently, LDH is up 36.8 to 22.1. We'll see how that one develops between the 6th and 8th place teams currently going. And then the final matchup of our weekend is King in the North takes on Favre for Life. Uh, King in the North is projected to quite heavily defeat uh, Favre for Life, who had that really one-week wonder. Uh, but now that uh, King in the North is the points leader, uh, at least for the moment in time, uh, we'll see how that one develops as as we move forward. He's missing uh, James Conner for that particular game. You you have a comment? Yeah, fuck King in the North. <laughs> okay. Maybe that'll be our show title. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on quick quickly to end things with our yay nay list. Uh, I will quickly run down my um, nay list here, starting from number ten. Number ten, I have Terry McLaurin. He's dealing with an injury already, but uh, the Washington team. Uh, is going up against the Ravens' defense. I expect the Ravens to bounce back pretty well in that one, and I think he'll be going up against Marcus Peters all day. I don't expect him to have a particularly good game. Number nine, Allen Robinson. Coming off of a huge game, he's playing a tough Colts defense. Uh, I think that the that he does play better with Nick Foles, but based on where his projection is at, I expect him to underperform that. Number eight, Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley's already splitting a significant amount of carries with Brian Hill. He's already not getting any passing down work. He's still being graded or projected out as a guy that's going to be getting a lot of touches. I expect his role to diminish even more this week, uh, playing a Packers team that can really score with the Falcons. Uh, don't look for him to be a, a great performer this week. Number seven, Matthew Stafford. Um had a decent week last week against uh, Arizona, but he's going against the Saints defense, which we already saw uh, gives you about 35 different looks at the line of scrimmage uh, against Green Bay. Green Bay just uh, was able to run their own sets very well against them, and I don't think the Saints defense is nearly as bad as people give it credit for. I will uh, caution them that they're likely to be closer to the week one effort that uh, ended up creating multiple interceptions and a pick six against Tampa Bay than they are that I expect them to uh, uh, force Matt Stafford into some errors this week on the road. Uh, number six, I have Zach Ertz, and it's not necessarily a matter of anything he's doing. It's more of a matter of he is the only premier pass catcher on the team right now that's healthy. Um, Carson Wentz has not looked good. It's more of a matter of everybody around him is has played down to their potential. Uh, number five, I had a guy who may not even play this weekend at this point. I had Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I still think that even though uh, they allowed a few yards that uh, the Patriots are not a uh, – team that's going to allow much against the run. I know it's a pick your poison thing against Kansas City, but uh, I won't say too much more here just simply on based on the fact that uh, that game is likely not to be played this weekend. Uh, number four, I had Carson Wentz. We've kind of already touched on this one. It's not a guy I feel very confident in right now until that team sorts itself out from injuries and the rest of it. A lot of those guys on their offensive line got old quickly or started dealing with a lot of injuries. They're uh, not slated to do well against a San Francisco team that just keeps on chugging no matter who's in there. 
Number three, I have David Montgomery. Uh, David Montgomery's had a couple of good weeks. I picked him as my underrated stud of the week last week. Um, and he didn't have a huge week against Atlanta, but he had a serviceable week. This week, going against Indianapolis, I would expect him to have a uh, pretty poor day where uh, the Bears are going to have to put the ball more in the air. He's still not contributing a ton in the passing game, so I don't know if that's going to be a, a particularly good matchup for him. Uh, number two, I had Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders uh, might be one of the few options that the Eagles have uh, to actually move the ball, but I just don't like the Eagles' offense at all in that game. Um, if the line were a little bit closer, I might bet heavily on San Francisco on Sunday night. Um or at least be tempted to, but that's just my feeling on the game. I don't give the Eagles much of a chance to win that game. Um, and finally, my last player, Tom Brady. I've said it a lot here. I, he looks his age. He does not look like he can throw the ball well. You're going against a team that has Chris Harris, Desmond King, and Casey Hayward Jr. Without Chris Godwin, uh, without uh, a lot of your, or without Leonard Fournette, I just I don't see uh, Tampa Bay putting up huge points, let alone Tom Brady putting up fantasy relevancy. All right, let's move on to the yay list, unless you have any questions for me. All right, uh, number ten, Josh Allen. Uh, I just uh, he's gonna likely or outplay his projection. His projection is pretty high for this weekend, but the Las Vegas Raiders have not um, truly stopped anybody yet on defense. They're pretty green. Number nine, I have Will Fuller. Now, this is conditional upon Will Fuller actually finishing the game, but I do like that Houston offense uh, scoring a bit out of desperation against the Vikings this weekend. Uh, he's a guy that I, I picked to actually have quite a few points. Uh, number eight and number seven are both Miami players, uh, Miles Gaskin and Devontae Parker. Uh, the Seahawks uh, could not stop a tackling dummy right now on defense. And I don't know if Jamal Adams is healthy enough for this game, but I basically like any offense that's going against Seattle, which is why Russell Wilson has to score as much as he's going to. Uh, I expect for both of them, due to their amount of targets and uh, carries, to potentially have big games this weekend. Odell Beckham Jr., uh, the Cowboys are actually sneaky good against the run. I don't know how... Uh, Nick Chubb is going to fare, and the Cowboys score a lot of points. This game could turn into a shootout, and if so, you're looking at maybe more Kareem Hunt. You're looking at maybe more Odell Beckham Jr., maybe more Jarvis Landry this weekend where they might get involved in the passing game, and you have to put things on Baker Mayfield, which is exactly what Cleveland doesn't want to do, has tried to avoid, but it's a situation where I, I think that uh, he has a good potential matchup and game script moving forward for him. Number five, Jared Goff. Uh, we've already touched on this a little bit. I'm a little bit worried with this pick that he would um, underperform his stats just based on them blowing out the Giants early. But I look at the fact that Nick Mullins had a fantasy relevant day and Jared Goff's projection isn't terribly high at the moment. This is a good matchup for him against a really terrible Giants team. He could do quite a few things. Number four, David Johnson. Maybe this is me hoping a little bit. But I don't see the Vikings run defense being particularly good. I think at some point David Johnson's got to get a lot more passing game work and uh, Deshaun Watson's going to start really trying to involve him in, in some newer ways. I look for him to have a bit of a bounce back game against a, a good matchup for that whole Houston defense. Number three is a guy I already picked to have my uh, underrated player of the week uh, charge. It was Darrell Henderson Jr. Uh 
number two, uh, we've already discussed he's going to be out for this game. When I originally made this list, he was uh, scheduled to be in against the Falcons team. Uh, so instead of Alan Lazard, I'm going to go with Darius Shepard. It's a weird play, and I'm making a last-second shift here. But uh, given the fact that Aaron Rodgers was talking up Darius Shepard and the last guy that he really talked up was Alan Lazard last season, I look for that to potentially have a big day. The Falcons uh, are like the Seahawks. They can't stop a tackling dummy. So I would be high on anybody else. If Devontae Adams is going in this game, he'll probably also have a big day, but I think he's probably going to meet or get close to his projection because it's likely to be high. And number one, I have James Robinson again, who I also highlighted on my underrated players of the week list. Any questions on any of those? No, I mean, you have a lot of my players on the name list, so yeah, it's probably good. You know, it is what it is. So... Uh, all right. I think that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, thank you to everyone listening. We will be back again after week four happens, if it still ends up happening, which I still think the majority of games will move forward. Uh, but we'll be back to break everything down from you to recap week four. Until then. Good luck, everyone. We'll see you next week. This podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan. It is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our technical provider and distributor is Anchor FM. Thank you and have a great weekend.